Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of Improv Treehouse. Um, this week we're speaking to Twinprov, um, and we're talking to them in part about their two-prov Twinprov, and in part about their bassoon version of Twinprov, which is called Bassoonprov. If you want to find out more about Twinprov, you can follow them at Twinprov on Facebook. Um, thanks so much for listening, and enjoy the episode! so people can get used to your lovely voices. Hi, I'm Sarah Davies. I'm Martin Clark. And I'm Julie Fowler. Hello! Hello. Um, so you guys are, are twin prof and also bassoon prof, <laughs> uh, which is fascinating and we will get to in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've listened to the podcast before, you might know I always like to start with the same question. Um, and that is, I like to sort of go around and like find out how you each got your start in improv, like mm-hmm. pre Twin prof, if that's cool. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, is there anything pre twin prof? PT. B B T. PT. I'll try and cast my mind back if Julie doesn't glare at me. <laughs> I'll just correct you okay. if it's wrong. So, yeah. in the world without Julie, yeah, so basically, <laughs> um, I've always been, I'm a drama lecturer, so I've always been really interested in, I come from like a playwriting directing background. Um, and I just went to a couple of improv drop-ins and kind of did that thing where you fall in love with it, really. And um, mostly in Kent, so I went to Improv Gym, which is a local um, drop-in. And now I'm, I'm running it along with Jason Del Plank from the May Days. Um, so that's kind of something that's really developed. And yeah, I just went to loads and loads of classes and trained kind of really extensively for a couple of years. And then obviously reached the pinnacle with the Zoom prof. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, shall I? I'll go next. So um, I actually went along about probably five or six years ago. A a kind of colleague said to me, oh, I'm going to this workshop at the weekend by Keith Johnston. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. And I was incredibly naive and went along and obviously really enjoyed it. It was incredible to see the man himself um, doing all of those amazing things. Um, And then kind of left it for a while. And um, actually, um, this will probably get a bit sad, but um, I I was um, I used to do quite a lot of stage um, work, not on an amateur basis, but in a local theatre. And um, my mum got poorly, and so I wanted to do something that that required kind of less commitment. And um, I signed up for um, a. A spontaneity shop course, and then I went on a hoopla course, and um, just loved it, and really fell in love with it, and uh, loved the um, spontaneity of everything. So that was about probably four years ago, mm-hmm. and then um, started Classic Andy, mm-hmm. and then found the lovely Sarah, and <laughs> um, and we just our eyes met across a a room. Well, our, eyes, our eyes didn't mean did they? Because <laughs> well, no, they didn't, because actually they were so kind of at yeah. the height of. Of your chest, um, but um, we we actually met properly then at the May Days um, uh, intensive yes. retreat. So yeah, so that was it really. But we actually live only down the road from each other. How weird is mm. that? We properly met in Dorset, but yeah. we only live yeah just down the road. Amazing, I know. So we are Kent Prov as well, yeah. basically, <laughs> which makes rehearsals really easy. Yeah, <laughs> we can rehearse each other's houses. Yeah, yeah um, I uh, what did I do? Um, so I I trained as a classical musician and. 
one of the downsides of that is you have periods where you're not really doing very much and every August it would get to a point where it'd be like, oh, I'm really bored now, what should I do? And I think I'd seen a little bit of improv on the internet and thought, I'll try that. Googled it, went along to a drop-in and thought, oh, this is amazing. I'll keep doing this and kept going to lots and lots of jams actually where I think mm. I've probably met Sarah about yeah, jams so, yeah. or classes and that kind of stuff and yeah just did that for a couple of years and then thought oh what would happen if you put the bassoon into this <laughs> and uh, yeah message messaged in and said like oh I've got this idea do you want to try it out um, yeah. Yeah, it kind of came from there. It kind of came yeah. from there. Yeah. And it was the most unusual email we'd ever had. So we were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah let's yeah. go for that one. I have like a million of these really weird ideas yeah. a week. Had then... you approached a lot of different no. groups? <laughs> yeah. Please, would you like some bassoon? <laughs> I kind of thought, like, I, it'd been an idea in the back of my head for a while. Uh, but then I kind of thought, because I, I really like improvising in, in music as well. Mm. But, Am I allowed to ask where were you first? Yeah. <laughs> it, imagine if everyone listening now writes in and it's like Martin's been emailing yeah. us. It's yeah, really God, that guy. The thing is, I was just thinking, who who would probably say yes to this? Who wouldn't just go like, what the heck are you talking about? And then I thought, no, oh, Sarah, okay. Um, yeah. And he was right. And I was yeah. right. Yeah, that was it. Was the most um, enthusiastic reply I think I'd ever got from anyone. <laughs> Like, just normally, I'd, I'd, I'd done a few bits before I'd, I'd interview some mates for, like, I don't know, some podcasts about stuff, and mm. then sort of sent, oh, would you like to be on it? And some people were like, oh, okay, maybe. And then I sent one to you guys saying, oh, do you want to do some improv with some bassoon? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, why not? Any unsolicited <laughs> offers around um, strange <laughs> instruments? And we are there. Yeah, we are so there. Yeah. To my, I actually don't think I, I always pride myself on like I do my research for every podcast it's just occurred to me I don't think I actually know what a bassoon is oh um, right a bassoon is a woodwind instrument so you blow down it it's uh, the best way to describe it is two pipes with a little metal thing sticking out okay cool yeah I think you were saying off air like do, you, do we need some bassoon in this and I was like I don't know let's see how I'm making the call like <laughs> three minutes in that you yeah, we we're going to need some bassoon okay also, he doesn't just play the bassoon, he also plays the Baroque bassoon. Yeah. He's got different bassoons. Is it three plays. different bassoons? I, I have yeah. three different bassoons yeah. at the moment. Which one have we got tonight? Uh, you've got the normal one. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said, if it's not Baroque, it's not welcome here. It's the normal one, it, it sort of fits in better, you can do more stuff with it. The Baroque one's massive and super loud. Yeah, oh. very loud. Awesome, yeah. okay, well, so I really want to find out about, like, what... Twin prof is yeah. before the bassoon sure. intervenes. Uh, so when did you guys set up twin prof and like what is it? What is it? What is it? <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> so I think we officially decided we'd like to do something together two years yeah, ago. I think so, yeah. yeah. And then, um, well, first of all, I think we were driven by the fact that we both fancied doing some kind of quite organic, naturalistic. Mm two prov but with a, a surreal bent as I think you'll find out um, and also because we just look ridiculous together because there's basically a foot in a height difference um, but otherwise we look relatively similar so yeah. we thought that was comical anyway mm-hmm. um, so yeah so we started um, just rehearsing and playing together took some publicity shots in my garden <laughs> and um, then our first gig was in the September so this September um, it'll be two years two years yeah Aww, yeah. that's really cute 
And yeah, we played around a lot, didn't we, with format yeah. to start with. And we've kind of settled now on a mono scene mm-hmm. um, with some multi-rolling and a lot of kind of scene painting, creating a world, which we'll talk about later where the bassoon comes in. But that's been really nice, actually, just obviously rehearsing too for, as you know, like you can really kind of zone in on things and kind of take your time to develop things. And it's not necessarily that it has to be surreal, but I just think it sometimes goes kind of down that tangent when you're creating a world that's slightly different to our world maybe but it's just been really nice to experiment hasn't it yeah definitely yeah. and I think with the duo work it's just such a completely sort of different animal in the sense that yeah. you do have that time for some of this you've got to have that slower burn relationship mm-hmm. as well as some of the the um, quicker and the gamier yeah. stuff and also there's only the two of you yeah. so you know that's it we've got to yeah. get on and we've got to do something um together um so yeah it's just been really joyful to experiment with that and we're also really keen to kind of take it out into places that don't have improv and kind yeah. of because obviously we're from kent which is relatively limited in an improv scene um so it's just really nice to play in places where you wouldn't normally have an improv gig mm. Um, which is a thing that we've been doing more and more, isn't it? Which has been really fun. Yeah, it it yeah. definitely has been. So um, back in March, we did an International Women's Day gig mm. in Faversham in Kent. Yes. Um, and that was that was super. So that was a primarily a spoken word was, evening, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? So a whole mixture, including some some poetry that was quite hard hitting yeah. and profound. And then we were there doing um, uh, obviously a mono scene, mm-hmm. multi character in this incredible. I mean, it's classic because it was International Women's Day. We were in this um, incredible. It's the Guild Hall, the Guild isn't Hall it? So this really yeah. fancy historic building, um, which is almost like a yeah. It's uh, imagine all of the beautiful wood paneling, very old fashioned on stilts, on stilts mm-hmm. and you've got. <laughs> So a civic building with all of these pictures of the dignitaries all around the room, you know, sort of 200 pictures, obviously 95, yeah. 97% of whom were men, um, which wasn't lost on any of us. Yeah. Um, but really interesting to take that to a crowd, many of whom, you know, their only experience of improv would have been whose line is it anyway, mm-hmm. kind of 20 years ago. So that was really fun. Um, and I think also, without bringing gender into it specifically, mm-hmm. actually seeing women kind of just um, doing these fantastical characters, um, making uh, kind of comedy in a way that I don't think is too self-conscious. You know, we don't mind if we look silly. Um, And we're kind of exploring that. Yeah, and it's been nice to kind of see if it translates because we've also done gigs in, you know, in Edinburgh at, you know, 11 at night in a pub that's, (laughs) you know, all that stuff. And just seeing, like, actually, will it translate and will it make sense to people? And so far it has, hasn't it, pretty much in terms of it seems to be relatively accessible. Um... And people seem to be responding well to it, which is great. Yeah, definitely. And we're starting also um, to think about then how we can share kind of the love of what we do. Mm -hmm. So at a um, literary, uh, well, women's kind of literary festival Mm -hmm. last October, we, um, we ran a workshop around thinking on your feet yeah, we, nice. we ran that and obviously with Sarah's lecturing background mm. and I um, do a lot of adult learning and development so it was uh, yeah really fun to kind of then bring that yeah. together with our twin prof persona it's just that idea of you know encouraging people to take risks and explore and have fun and all those kind of things I think we just really love doing that yeah. don't we and you have the same, like, you have a sort of uniform, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our party outfit. We, we do need to expand it specifically to include Martin in it. Well. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. going to have one, Martin. Going to invest in some, some more stage clothes. So, yeah. yeah, took a lot of time on Canterbury High Street to find those. I mean, cause... can you imagine? Like, we would think Julie's going, here's a dress there, and I'd put it on, it'd literally be a top. 
<laughs> and then you choose something and it'd be like skimming <laughs> yeah. the floor. Um, so it's pretty difficult. In the end, we went to um, Debenhams and found these shocking dresses. We did. <laughs> we had so many late night tube journeys home yeah. with people just looking at us like, what is going on there? <laughs> <laughs> had like sort of yeah. drunk guys look at me and going, that is some pattern. It's <laughs> like, yep. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, ideally, I'd like sequins. I haven't coached this with Martin, but yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be brilliant. Step. Yeah, so I think yeah. we're going to go for the sort of matinee idol sort of. I don't. I think yeah. we're just going to up the glamour, basically. I think it's just that thing where we look ridiculous, mm-hmm. so it just kind of emphasises that. And I think when we did the Amsterdam Improv Marathon, we stood on the stage and people just laughed at us for about five minutes. <laughs> it's like this is easy. This is a gig. <laughs> we were matching. We'll just stand there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's classic. If there's that visual gang. <laughs> So what do you get from the audience once once they've stopped laughing? Yeah. Oh, that's it, then we leave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of ridicule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Disdain. <laughs> um, usually we just get um, any kind of word as a mm. call-out. If, if we are at a particular event, like International Women's Day mm. or something, then we might ask for something that's inspired by the particular surroundings that we're in or the particular event. But otherwise, we do just ask for a suggestion, and then we use that as a way in to inspire mm-hmm. us into scene painting mm-hmm. before we then start the mono scene. Yeah, normally just a word because <laughs> I'm obsessed with disused buildings. I don't know why, but I really am. I'm doing a site-specific theatre thing that's in a disused building at the moment. So when we first started, I, whatever the word was, it would always be in a disused building. So now we try to do something that's a bit broader so that it yeah. doesn't necessarily kind of start out that way. Maybe sometimes it comes that There's way. There's always an element of decay. It's a metaphor. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's absolutely. always decay. Um, um, but because it's, yeah, it's inspiring, obviously, either a mood or, or the yeah. space specifically. And yeah. just kind of that idea of playing around with space. So we've had some nice gigs. Um, we did that Flourish Collective mm. one, didn't we, where we... Um, we use the audience a lot, and actually, because it was in a pub, a guy came in delivering food halfway through, and we were in the audience at that point, so then we made that part of the show as well. Oh. Um, just kind of, I'm quite interested in that theatrical, breaking the fourth wall, or that kind of thing, and just playing around with space. Yeah. Um, particularly because there's only two of us, so sometimes if we've got staging that has levels, that can work really nicely, um, particularly with the multi-rolling as well, mm-hmm. kind of establishing a really specific space that's for that character and using that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just realised I didn't care to speak. Why did you choose the name um, Twin Prof specifically? Is it not obvious <laughs> by our physical appearance? I appreciate on a podcast it's hard to get over, but we're so obvious. Yeah, that was essentially uh, it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a one joke. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but also because we are so enmeshed together in a way of thinking like twins. I've just made this up. Like twins. That's why, right? Uh, absolutely, yes. that's yeah. it. We're yeah. just absolutely on the same way. <laughs> Uh, so you've kind of answered my next question because I was I sort of was looking I was stalking frankly uh, <laughs> your most recent so Kay didn't yeah. offer to play the bassoon for us <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you the just variety of like where you perform and the kind of stuff you've done mm. is like awesome but you've, you've kind of mentioned it already um but I thought it was so interesting. You recently performed at the Global Improvisation Initiative. Mm, yes. Um, where you debuted Bassoon Prof, I believe. Was that the debut? <laughs> um, it was second debut. Second debut. Yeah. It was our first one at the Mayday Studio in Brighton. Oh, for yes. Um, Scoops? Yes. yes. Yeah, oh, amazing. Awesome. Yeah, which was so really fun. super fun. Um, well. But the Global Improv one, we was a 45-minute set, so it just gave us more time <laughs> to you know, really experiment. And how was it? Oh, it was so much fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, and the time flew. Yeah. I hope that was for the audience yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> for us, yeah. So that one was set. We, um, 
it, we were set in basically a kind of nightclub mm. scenario and we ended up uh, with the scenario that uh, a couple of ladies in their 40s, mm. not sure where that had come from, um, were um, setting up, um, had had kind of a midlife crisis and were basically yeah. setting up this nightclub and uh, yeah and and then a delivery driver came along and, mm -hmm. and somehow he had a, a friend who was a bassoonist um, and yeah but it was kind of just having that sense of space mm. is just really lovely and actually having the opportunity to use that space mm. for so long um, because sometimes our sets are you know quite naturally um, a lot shorter and yeah. obviously they tend to kind of up the pace get to that denouement more quickly whereas actually for this you just couldn't keep up that kind of pace yeah. for 45 particularly minutes particularly with the multi-rolling because it can or it did in, when we first started it found it could get quite frantic yeah, to get yeah. so into it that you end up running between characters which is obviously yeah. not ideal so yeah and also it was really nice because we could really play around with the exact moment that the bassoonist is revealed yes. which is <laughs> quite a big part of the concept Okay, I but... spent a lot of time hidden. You did spend a yeah. lot of time hidden. Which was nice, yeah. actually, because I didn't... I could just sort of just focus safe, on listening. And... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I feel like we've sufficiently built up audience Ooh. tension. <laughs> oh. 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 So what is... the soon sound effect. Yeah, yeah where is it, man? <laughs> it's in a be very beautiful <laughs> grey case. Um, so what is bassoon prof? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, I suppose the, the idea was... Could you could you use mm -hmm. an instrument that can only play one note at a time mm -hmm. to underscore some improv stuff, mm -hmm. which is obviously like it's very different than if you have a piano or a guitar and mm -hmm. and you play chords mm -hmm. and you create the atmosphere that way. I, I mean, I can't do that mm -hmm. because I can only play one <laughs> note um, unless I sing at the same time. But that sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> oh, I'd like to try that. That's a nice oh, concept. Okay, we'll... Do it tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the idea, but then it sort of morphed. Yeah, yeah, so we rehearsed and we played around with the idea of, like you said, the underscoring. So we normally get a word and then we do scene painting, but now what we do is we have a word and then Martin plays something associated with that word and then we scene paint. Some and extra level yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's underscoring. And that's a real balance as well because particularly the Baroque one, it's loud. So we yeah. kind of are playing around with that, but there's a lot of underscoring that happens. But then we had the idea, just because we wanted to play with it more, of this idea that he's hidden preferably behind the audience <laughs> and really slowly the bassoon kind of pokes out preferably from behind a curtain but you know we can work with a variety of reveals <laughs> and, and then most of the show is just him coming through the audience with the bassoon and the conceit is that for some reason within this world we've created um julie and i are always expecting a bassoonist to arrive for some reason <laughs> obviously <laughs> and we have to justify within that world why he's arriving um, and then when he arrives because martin's an improviser as well he's then improvising with us as a bassoonist and whatever else we might have endowed him with. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he has a dual role. Dual <laughs> um, Yeah, I was yeah. trying to explain this to someone the other day yeah. who wasn't improvised, and they're like, I get the fact you're underscored by a bassoon. I even get the fact that you're kind of, you know, um, uh, inspired mm. by what he plays. But then he comes on as a character and you justify yeah. it. It blew their mind. Yeah, I mean, it's so, ridiculous, which yeah. I think is why we like it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, and I, like, we did one in rehearsal, which was a nice illustration of it, that it was, I think it was a world, it was like an apocalypse and yeah. only bassoonists had survived Obviously. outside. And we were really scared of them. We were the only kind there's, of non-bassoonists left. Oh, <laughs> in an abandoned world. What a surprise. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a good yeah. yeah. If bassoonists rule to the world. Does sound quite ominous, doesn't it? Nah. So I think it can kind of lend itself to like almost a dystopian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, had she worked together as improvisers before the um, before the Martin scene? and I had, had Sarah, yeah, okay. only kind yeah. of in jams and some drop-ins. Yeah. Martin's in my other group plus support now as well, um, without a bassoon so far. Without oh, a bassoon, um, yeah. But um, you guys, I don't think you'd even met. We hadn't even no. met, and Sarah no. was like, "This guy's got in touch. He's got a bassoon," <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> Do you often get these sorts of messages? <laughs> so, was it a leap? <laughs> Has he sent you a picture of it? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you were calling it? <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. There's so many euphemisms about yeah, this. Yeah. We're being really controlled so it's far. Just, yeah. When you see it, you'll think yeah. it's hilarious. Most of them we managed to get through in the car on the way here just to like prep us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for you to whip it out later. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, how was it for sort of you two as two improv to then have a third presence on stage? Because I always yeah. found whenever I rehearse two improv, I get so into yeah, the head of the other sure. person yeah. that I'm like, nothing else exists except this one other person. Yeah. And then it's, if there's a new wonderful presence, it, it must be quite a thing to have to adapt to. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, it's really interesting. So mm. there is a, obviously a different dynamic. And we haven't abandoned twin improv as yeah. twin improv, but I think with bassoon improv, it's... Because right from the first moment we're inspired by what Martin's play, mm. there is a sense that he's kind of there throughout the piece yes. with the Zoom prof. So it's not like, yeah. it doesn't feel like we're doing kind of 15 minutes of twin prof and then suddenly the soon has survived, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's a walk on character. Yeah. It's actually kind of, it feels like he's influencing the piece yeah. even before he's kind of walking on very clearly. So kind of, I always feel it's, you know, so it's a different dynamic from the beginning. I yeah, think. it's reinforcing a world that we have already created and kind of within a structure, I think, that we are used to. And I think, like I said, because we've worked together a bit before, haven't we? Like, I think Martin is quite a similar improviser to us in lots of ways. So I think that that dynamic worked, even in our first rehearsal, I think it mm. worked quite quickly. Like, we're all quite playful and we can all be quite ridiculous <laughs> and we have a lot of fun in rehearsals and we were really laughing kind of right oh, yeah. the off Definitely. so I think all of those things genuinely have gelled really nicely mm-hmm. so although this is only our kind of our third performance in terms of knowing that that support is there I think it already very much feels like that yeah definitely and I think something for us to kind of think about as we develop it is the fact that as you say when you're in a two-prov and kind of you've got that that those say two established characters yeah. or in our case maybe three established characters and have got bits of relationships actually then have to deal with another character coming on yeah. And, yeah. and kind of ensuring that there's enough of the connection and the character mm. stuff yes, to, definitely. to um, make that yeah. feel like a really good role for Martin yeah. Yeah. but there's, there's also the thing because I'm I'm watching for well in the 45 yeah. minutes one it was, <laughs> it was about I don't know 20, 25, yeah. 30 minutes yeah. watching doing some underscoring there's such a world that's built yeah. up to sort of mm-hmm. come into. It gives mm-hmm. you a massive sort of jumping off point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which is really fun to play about with. Because oh. you're not just like, oh, I'll walk on and see what happens. Yeah. It's like, I know who these people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Four of them, yeah, one of them's yeah. a picture. Or... <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> that never happens. Yeah. One of them's a... Well, I think, I, what was I? A stuffed rat once, I think. Oh, was yeah. Like, yeah. I, think oh. So. Yeah, I love being <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We love an object, um, or a... but the other thing is, of course, like you don't once you're on, you don't stay for the whole thing necessarily, no. do you? So yeah. then it also gets complex because we need to find a reason for him to leave. Yeah. <laughs> he oh. needs to find a reason to leave, and then we need to kind of tie everything up that Martin has also put into the yeah. world. Yeah, it's like whoa! Yeah, yeah. So oh they my set gosh. up something nice. Yeah. I throw a massive spanner in the work, and then just disappear. And he's and, and the suit. Can, yeah. can can we have some bassoon? 
perhaps. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Um, it takes a little bit of time to sew up. But... Okay, we, we can chat while yes. it takes Is that okay? Yeah. I'll, um, I did have another sort of question, and then I'll move on to the audience questions. Because yeah. um, I met you guys at the Edinburgh International yes. Fringe yes. Festival, yeah. uh, which was lovely. Yeah. Uh, and you've like uh, performed in Amsterdam and stuff, mm-hmm. so I was just wondering, like, is it important to you as like improvisers to go to like festivals and stuff? Oh, and like, why yeah. so? We were talking about this, actually, because um, I've just come back from Brighton Fringe as well, um, just about how much we love it, because it's we love international festivals, I think, we've talked about this, I'm speaking for you, but um, because of the variety of improv that you see and all the new people that you meet, it's just amazing. I think international improv particularly is so groundbreaking, isn't it, a lot of it, that it's just super, super exciting. And just kind of getting out there, meeting new people, seeing new stuff, I think is so important for learning. Yeah, without doubt. And I think, in the end, that's part of kind of the improv mindset, isn't it? Yeah. Being curious and yeah, being open to these definitely. new ideas. So yeah. I think it's as important to go and do workshops and, as you say, Absolutely. watch other people um, as it is to actually perform at those things. So we both go independently to different festivals mm. and also then as Twimprov or with our other groups. Because yeah. um, uh, we were both performing with, with Classic Andy. Sarah was guesting oh, yeah. with Classic Andy up at um, Edinburgh yeah. um, International um, Improv Festival, which was super fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think there's, there's something about that. And just that joy sometimes of, say, performing in mixer teams mm. with people who you hadn't met even at the beginning of the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I went to Barcelona last year, and I'm going to go again this year, and I had the joy of being in a, um, a it was a bilingual group, and I mean, I do speak Spanish, but not to performance mm. standard, um, and um, it was just really joyful to do a bilingual set. Yeah. Wow, bilingual yeah. funeral based set I mean how I think wow. is that I know you just needed the scene but that's all it needed but you know it was just really amazing to, to have that kind of opportunity and I think how many other spheres of life would you just be able to kind of fall into that sort of thing and, and yeah. have so much support and, and get so much joy? Just kind of get immersed in the world of improv, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how nerdy is that? Yeah. My husband's like, see ya, go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yourself. <laughs> Knock yourself out, bye. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the bassoon is prepared. Oh. You're impressed, aren't you, Emily? It's, oh, it's yeah. beautiful. It's bigger than people think. <laughs> it's so much bigger than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. it's really massive. <laughs> but it's also bent double, so that's kind of... Uh, <laughs> you can uh, see how difficult it is, right? Not really to just is. say things. Yeah, yeah, this, this is why we, we oh. like it in a way, because it's yeah. just a joke when it turns out. Yeah. This is really challenging the limits of po- the podcast oh, format. Really yeah. uh, <laughs> just ten minutes so, of us going So just up. imagine... <laughs> Uh, I'm, so I've, we've got some audience questions, but they are all to do with the bassoon. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. um, so I don't know if you want to like, p- like play around or whatever. But let's just let's. I'll ask you some audience questions okay. about the bassoon. Uh, so our first question is from Richard Minkley, mm-hmm. uh, and he asks: Is the bassoon the only instrument you can play, or is it actually <laughs> the silliest instrument available to the orchestra? Oh, <laughs> well. So the story goes back when I was about. Um, when I started secondary school, I was actually playing the clarinet. And then I thought, oh, I'd like to take on another instrument. I looked at all the ones that I did pick the bassoon because it was the weirdest. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sort of, I went off and, and studied and then I found no weirder versions of the bassoon and then I got them and uh, yeah, um, it's, it's pretty weird. There are some weirder ones, but they <laughs> tend to be in, I don't know, very specialized contexts. 
but yeah. I'm all for using those if you could. <laughs> yeah. More specialised feather. Yeah, there is one that's like twice as big. And oh, Mine. Here we go. But I don't have one. Oh. So. Can we have a bassoon blast? A bassoon blast, okay. sure. Oh, no. <laughs> you can see how it creates atmosphere, yeah. can't you? Yeah, I mean, it is a bit... You can't turn it down like you can on a keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's quite hard to play quietly, but um. it's also quite hard to walk through the audience with it strapped on. Like I can't. I know yeah. people can't see, but he's essentially wearing what looks to be kind of lederhosen. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. a big old bassoon strapped. So. Or, yeah, yeah, like a bassoon papoose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It does look like you could have a baby there as well. Like, yeah. Does it, yeah, it is weird when you bassoon. you open the door and someone you've just been practicing and you haven't got the bassoon, you've got the heart. <laughs> People wonder what you've got. Like, forgot your baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's my baby? Yeah, we do have to kind of consider the audience's heads when we're walking yeah. through. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It does. It sounds a bit like the sort of stinger you'd play in, like, a 1960s sitcom. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes, meanwhile, back in the yeah. summer. <laughs> I might try Well, thank you, Richard, for your question. Um, so our next question is from Betty Costello-Singleton. And she asks, if you could choose a pop artist to supply the musical element to Twinprov, who would it be and why? Oh, oh that was a tough one. That is a tough one, I think. Pop artist. Just because actually what we're doing isn't actually musical improv yeah. in the kind of traditional sense of the word mm. at all. Um, so that's a really tricky one because the bassoon is already weird enough, but there's um, <laughs> a guy, a local artist who lives near me in Kent, um, and he plays... He has a cat orchestra, so he has kind of an organ, and it's got all these stuffed cats on them. <laughs> and he squeezes not real them. Cats. No, no, stuff like <laughs> yeah, the most horrendous. No, like toy ones, oh, but they're yeah. all tuned. They're all tuned differently, and he That's squeezes so them. So if he came along right now, I would be kicking you out. Yeah. Like, no offense. Uh, um, to get even weirder this year. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of like a, I don't know, famous person. Yeah. I the. Thing jumps to mind is Weird Al Yankovic, just yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. And I like what he does. Um, plays the accordion. That's, that's kind accordion's of cool. quite cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I just love someone like really nice. Like I'm thinking Rick Astley here. Oh. I know it's a bit of kind of eighties thing, but I just think like. He sounds like such a nice person because I remember reading an article about him and he said, you know, I got really famous in my early 20s. I could have been driving Ferraris into swimming pools, but actually I just decided to live with my wife in Surrey and take my daughter to school. Oh, oh how cute. And then he re-emerges at 50 and he's still such there a nice person and does really nice things. So I figured that Rick would be a great person just to, I mean, just to have you there have to in the set. When you're driving up the M25 to gigs, you don't want to be with someone who's a bit of a knob. Exactly, no, exactly. Yeah. So I think that would be really nice an 80s classic so yeah. I think that would be very atmospheric mm. I mean oh. it's specific it's very specific but you know he's had but a comeback and I think true. I think we'd, we'd get audiences if we so had Rick Astley really in a way to end the show as well <laughs> yeah. just like, Rick <laughs> I've just realised I've missed a massive opportunity because I always start by going, this is the unnamed audience question segment and then sometimes people come up with jingles for me. It's oh, the first time I've had an actual... In- can I have an audience question segment jingle, please? Oh, yeah. Uh, for, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to think how atmospheric I want it to be. <laughs> Jules for a minute there. Yeah, I yeah, 
question is coming. Right, so you're thinking, smash up. If it doesn't happen how you want it, that's also a choice. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Also, um, so we've got one more audience question, uh, and it is from Nick Tyler, mm-hmm. and he asks, "What makes the bassoon a natural improviser?" Oh, <laughs> I don't really understand the question. Yeah, the bassoon, the bassoonist. Um, I think if you if you're going to use the bassoon in a weird way, because it's such a ridiculous instrument, you have to be relatively open. Yeah. To doing strange stuff, like when I was at music college, there was there was sort of two ways it could go. There were some people who were quite um, like amazing players and amazing people. Who thought it should stay traditional and that's great and then there were some people and I was maybe more in that group that mm. was like oh oh there's a jazz band I want to do that but I play the bassoon mm. oh well I'll mm. just um so yeah I suppose if you're going to use it in this context you've got to be relatively open to what's going on yeah, yeah it also gives you a lot to respond from it's a bit like I'm in improbotics where we improvise with robots and it's kind of a similar thing like it's a rogue element thrown into something that's mm. already quite complex and could potentially and go really well direct as yeah well. and that just makes it more fun ultimately yeah. I think because you know it's it, you're having to do new things I think the whole time yeah. mm. C- can we have some closing of the audience question segment please <laughs> it's your new favourite instrument, yeah. isn't it? Let's face it. I love the bassoon. <laughs> so I, I might actually isolate that audio and now use it in every single way. It doesn't fit massive royalties. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't fit with the rest of the musical themes at all. <laughs> I love it. Um, cool. Uh, so just to like wrap up. Um, what is like next for Bassoon Prov and what would your sort of dream be? World domination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be it. Ooh. Yeah, I think we just like to try it out in lots of places. It's funny because we've only had a few gigs but they've been relatively large ones so far, which has been amazing. So I think I think we just want to keep experimenting and trying out and the best way to do that is by performing, isn't it? So um, we need to get our matching diaries together and do some twin yeah. limb. Um, and go through some yeah <laughs> we, we do like a lot of highlighting um yeah and just make some plans really i think because we're very experimental at the moment so does that answer it yeah yeah i think because yeah. i like, with bassoon prov actually um also there's a chance to play some of the kind of the normal um improv venues yeah and, and take bassoon prov which we there haven't actually and, done and experiment in those spaces <laughs> yeah whereas i think for twin prov the strategy is a bit more about going to those non-improv audiences and exploring some slightly different places I mean, all the improv venues are saying, do you know what's missing from improv is a bassoon. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> what's That was our tagline. The global improv. Yeah, yeah. What improv needs right now, what the world need, right, needs right now is a bassoon. And two women in matching dresses. Yeah. Oh, well. soon to be a bassoon in a matching dress. <laughs> oh, please get the bassoon address. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, I hadn't actually thought that. That's, that's a good idea we're doing. That's it. great. That yeah. has Nick Debenhams for it. <laughs> <laughs> Just carrying it in. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Needs its own changing room. We're going to have to measure the bassoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Um, thank you for having us. Yeah, no, I'm so excited to see the show later. Um, can we have some playing off bassoon music? Oh, see, I've just...
just remembered that my podcast normally ends with the theme fading out. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. So, so we'll just use this instead this time. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, thank it was so you. much fun. Thank you.